Welcome! You found the Out of the Ordinary podcast, where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker. Lisa Jo, a few of my favorite ordinary things are my husband's homemade pizza, pink geraniums on the windowsill, and the slam of the screen door. A few of mine are the beginning of baseball season, the end in sight of packing all those school lunches, and feeding the koi fish every afternoon out in the yard. We are all in for such a treat this summer because Lisa Jo has a new book arriving on bookshelves at the end of July. It's a love letter to ordinary life called The Middle Matters, Why That Extra Ordinary Life Looks Really Good on You. It's already available for pre-order, and it's for all of us who have discovered that the middle is the place where we might have outgrown the shape of our teenage genes, but have finally grown into the shape of our souls. If you've ever felt like you're drowning in ordinary life, this book is going to be your new best friend, because it will remind you that the middle years might in fact be the very best part of the love story of life kids, faith, doubt, marriage, failure, wonder, and the muffin top, and that these are all good things. Get comfy. Here we go. Lisa Jo, we don't often do this, but two weeks ago, I feel as if we ended our conversation with a little bit of a cliffhanger. I know, teaser. (laughs) That's right. We mentioned, and for those of you who maybe haven't listened to it yet, you might want to go back and listen to episode 35, uh, why we canceled our first podcast party. (laughs) We shared all the behind the scenes of that decision making. That's right. And then we issued... uh, Half invitation. I'm going to well, say half. A half, half invitation a at the end of the conversation. The date, except we didn't give the date. That's right. <laughs> but we shared that the invitation that we have been mentioning throughout these many conversations as we've done this podcast this year is that we would love to meet listeners face to face. We would love to share this place with our listeners because our conversations are rooted in a real place. And isn't it funny, though, that this actually, if you think about it, this teaser started almost two decades ago, because our very first episode of the podcast is called Everything Big Starts Small. And we talked in that episode about how before you ever had a place like Maplehurst, Mm -hmm. before you ever had flower gardens or vegetable gardens or an avenue of maple trees, you had a tiny hand of grass seeds. Mm -hmm. That was the beginning of the invitation we're actually going to give you today. That's right. I feel like we are moving from small to medium. (laughs) Right. But isn't it funny that just last night we were saying that even though we've arrived at a place that feels like, oh, wow, that grass that was these tiny Uh seeds grew like knee or waist high. Uh But right here in the middle of this growth, we're beginning new things. Like they're like new little bugs that are totally small again. That's true. Because we continue to find new ways that God seems to be leading this dream. And you guys, we have an actual date on the calendar and we are ready for you to buy tickets. We are. It's happening. But... You're going to have to wait till the end of the episode. <laughs> we want you to listen to our whole conversation. And at the very end of the episode, we will tell you the dates. And I promise we're not just being mean, but I do feel like we have a conversation, a story we want to tell mm-hmm. so that the invitation we make at the end will not only make more sense, you'll you'll understand um, 
It's like we want to give you a flower, but we want to tell you first about where that flower grew and how it grew and how we've been watering it. And so that's what this story is really yes. about. And it's really connected to that story two episodes ago where we thought, we really did think originally that May 4th, we'd have you all over here. Mm-hmm. And that's what we were trying to get ready for. And you can listen to how <laughs> how wrong we were in our expectations and preparations. Mm-hmm. But it simply meant that the preparation has continued. It's just kept it going. So right. from May 4th, all the way through here till June 5th, there has been so much work happening to get this place ready for you guys. And it will continue right up until the night before, I am sure. Mm-hmm. But when I arrived here this week, one of the things I noticed is Maplehurst is named after this huge avenue of maple trees that grow, that line the drive up to the house. It's so majestic. But what's tragic is many of these trees have crumbled and fallen. Mm-hmm. I was so surprised because Christy and I were walking down that path and there are trees that have been marked with a red patch to indicate really they've reached the end of their lifespan right and i said to her oh it's it's like watching in africa like if an elephant dies Mm. you know it's a creature that's lived so long that has such history and memory associated by it and when it when a colossus like that comes crashing down it's so noticeable i think on a, on a metaphorical as well as a very symbolic level. Mm-hmm. And so you and John have just gone and polka dotted all those trees. We have, yeah, with the help of our, our tree guy <laughs> who makes regular visits to, to Maplehurst. He's also become a friend. I think, too, we've, had, we've been here seven years and uh, losing these trees because it began just a couple of months after we moved in. Actually, I bet it began a couple of weeks after we moved in that we started realizing just how old and fragile the trees Mm. were on this property. Large limbs started falling. Whole trees were falling within that first year. That's so so depressing. You like moved into your dream house and the trees immediately start dying. I write about that in two books. (laughs) (laughs) I tell those stories. And what's amazing is you got to realize how long a tree has to have lived for that to happen. Can you describe a little bit for our listeners what the trees look like? Because what's surprised me is they don't look dead. Right. They don't. Now, some do. There is one that is clearly yes, dead. that's true. <laughs> and some have uh, fallen down onto the earth. They but these are, also, are but hundreds of the years ones, old. Yeah, the ones we've marked with red. So, they're not, they're not the oldest trees around. These are silver maples, and they don't live forever. They don't live as long as an oak tree, for instance. So, these trees may have been planted when the house was built. So, they might be 140 years old. They might only be 100 years old, but they're, they're old. They, mm. These are old silver maples, and they're at the end of their life. But you're right. Um, goodness, what they look like. They have these massive trunks that have grown over the years, over 100 years. And some of them have one towering limb left. Mm. And so when you stand beneath it, there is this sense of standing beneath a still, vibrant tree. Well, because they have leaves They have everywhere. leaves. Like bright green. green leaves. But what yeah. was interesting is, so I all I noticed was the leaves. I'm like, how can you say these trees are dead? There are leaves yeah. everywhere. And Christy said, yes, but look where the leaves are growing. Yes. The leaves are not growing on the branches and the limbs. The leaves are growing straight out of the trunk. It's like the trees, it really is sad. The trees last gasp, gasp you know, oh, trying so- to stay alive. But really, it's it's just closer I mean, every day. You said to the death. trunks are almost completely hollow. They are, and in any storm, um, and we've seen it in any storm, even a you know just a little rainstorm, uh, the trunk could split, and the whole thing could just come crashing down on the mm. driveway. 
way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we <laughs> we've had some near misses, so that's the other reason that mm-hmm. we're feeling For a new safety. yeah a new sense of urgency to do some cleanup and and just make sure that things aren't quite as dangerous <laughs> as they currently are <laughs> because we we are preparing we're preparing to have guests for you uh, yeah, for you listeners we're for you and so also some of it um, so one of the trees that that we're um, preparing to clean up and we're just going to do all this work in one fell swoop um, actually fell on our property maybe a year ago <laughs> and it's just been lying there looking very sad and very shabby and very dead and very messy and brambles are starting to grow over it and I'm sure little animals are burrowing in it and it's probably a happy home for animals but it's like right next to the mm. the driveway and and I was walking down the driveway with my husband Jonathan recently and we were um, talking about this event that we plan to do at a date we will tell you and Jonathan said, uh, I really want to get that cleaned up before mm-hmm. before this date. And I said, you're right. It's just, we don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. it it's not in the way of the driveway. Um, but it is, uh, it's sort of like the greeting to Maplehurst. And it looks it looks messy and it looks uncared for. And uh, so we just decided together that it, it, we've waited. We didn't do it right away because it is expensive work to, mm-hmm. to have that cleanup done. The trees are so big that... I mean, it's like having giants, you guys, yeah. that have just sort of knelt over yes. on the side yeah. of the driveway. And they can't be tackled just with a little... My husband can't do it with a chainsaw. Right. You know, he splits our firewood, but these these trees are too too much. You need special mm-hmm. equipment to to clean these up. So he said, I think it's time. And and you're right. You saw then if we're going to do that cleanup, we're going to take care of the others that also need to be taken out. And so they've all got their red paint marks on them. Oh, and no, it's kind of yeah. <laughs> when you walk by them, especially when you do see these desperate little leaves trying to grow yeah. in all the wrong places. Yeah, you think, oh my gosh, are you really going to take these out? And Christy and John. Who are, I think, this is what comes from being experienced placemakers, understand that something has to go sometimes to make room Mm -hmm. for new life. And so I know you guys have been sad about it, but I think you've also been very pragmatic about it. I think so. I've learned to to be. Yes, I have learned that. I have, you know, I could tell you something else I'm learning. I don't know if pragmatic is the right word, Mm. but I am learning something else. I I am learning a significant, seven years on, I am still learning. Seven years here. Seven years. It'll be this summer. Yeah. And I'm still learning um, how to be a placemaker, the costs of being a placemaker. Um, Even having written the book Placemaker, I'm still learning. And um, I'm in the middle of a kind of painful lesson right now. Um, So you know, Lisa Jo, and I'll try to describe for our listeners that... um, our property is primarily it's, so it's an old farmhouse, but the farm itself many years ago was sold sold off to a developer. So we're surrounded now by a, a fairly typical looking suburban neighborhood development with sidewalks and cul de sacs and, and new homes. And I think homes. that's so important to mention because if you do end up coming, mm-hmm. because you find out that the date that we will mention at the end of this episode <laughs> works for you, we don't want you to be surprised because right. when you pull into Maplehurst, you might be expecting farmland. Yes. You might think you're at the wrong place yes, because people this driveway do. is right here in the middle of suburbia, which mm-hmm. it is. And as you drive down the maple lined driveway, if you look to the left and right, you will see just your standard homes in a suburb. You can spy them as far as the eye can see. And in so many ways, Maplehurst is an island here in the Mm -hmm. middle of a Mm -hmm. a very regular, where we all live type of neighborhood. And it has so many benefits because 
every time when I'm over, there's a tribe of young boys. That's right. <laughs> running wild with your children. And I always say, oh, I'm so jealous of how your kids could just run over to the neighbors. But yeah. that is the strange dichotomy of Maplehurst. It is this ancient place mm-hmm. with these ancient trees marking the avenue toward the house, mm-hmm. surrounded by a thriving brand new community. It is both the old and the new finding a space and a place together. That's right. Quick break, listeners. We'd love to shine a spotlight on friends of the show who help make these conversations possible. This week, we're so delighted to partner with the folks at Fab Fit Fun because four times a year, they deliver joy in a box. Fab Fit Fun is a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. Lisa Joe, I opened the box during a visit from my mom, and within five minutes, we'd both decided to subscribe. You know, I had the exact same reaction because I actually called you to gush after I opened my box because I was so in love with their cute little rose trinket tray that currently lives right next to my bed. Lisa Joe, would you believe that my favorite item was actually the black and white gym bag? You know, I never stepped foot in a gym, but the bag was so cute and so practical and so foldable. I had a serious internal struggle with myself whether to keep it or give it to my teenage daughter who actually does go to the gym. Each box retails for $49.99, but always has a value of over $200. My new discovery was the skin and nail care products, which I don't typically use, but I'm so in love with now that I have to hide them from my daughter. You guys, there are some really amazing brands in these boxes. And if you use our coupon code ORDINARY10 at fabfitfun.com, you can get 10 bucks off your first box. Yep, ORDINARY10 at fabfitfun.com for your own customizable box of joy. Recently, we've noticed that we have more kids running back and forth across our property, and there's a reason for that. Um, A couple years ago now, I want to say it's maybe been two years, maybe even a little bit less, actually, a fence was removed. So our property used to be have a sort of dividing line between our property, our yard, and these new homes. There was Mm -hmm. an old, old split rail fence. And split rail fences are very common here in this part of Pennsylvania, very rustic looking. I think they're very beautiful. Um, But this fence didn't actually belong to to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, It wasn't on my side of the property line. It belonged to- It didn't belong to your neighbors either. Exactly belong to the neighbors. It's like a no man's land. Yeah. It's it's what's called a, a common land owned by their their uh, neighborhood as a whole. So collectively, the neighbors owned it as a common land as part of their neighborhood. Their, we call it HOA, their Homeowners Association. Mm. They owned it collectively. And so they have a, a board who makes those collective decisions. And the fence was old, falling apart, mm-hmm. um, emphasis on the rustic appeal. Yeah. It was very it was rustic. Like eaten by brambles and bushes. <laughs> you was, can hardly see the fence. It was. It was a bit of a mess, although I was still fond of it. But the um, the HOA board made the decision to, rather than try to repair it or fix it or maintain it, um, they decided, you know, it wasn't serving any practical purpose for them. And so they um, dismantled it all. They took mm. it away. They tore it out. And um, that means that now there used to be um, those brambles really keeping us from many of our neighbors and and our kids, if they wanted to go next door, would find the little passages the through or the, the holes, fence. right, right. But now it really is, there's a much um, freer access between our properties. And 
But the thing I didn't realize would happen when the fence was taken out is that all of those brambles were still there. Mm. So the common land that had always been covered in thorny growth and invasive plants, and let's be honest, even yard waste, I think neighbors on both sides, including me and my husband, would toss our yard waste over the fence, (laughs) out of sight, out of mind. And so then the fence was removed, and what was revealed was property that no one really owned. No one really thought of it, had thought of it for years as belonging to them. And it looked terrible. <laughs> it's just a no man's land. It it looks so oh. bad. And so for many of our neighbors, I think it was still a little bit out of sight, out of mind because their yards are fenced. Mm. And so it still looked like, you know, someone else's problem, but it, it looked like it, <laughs> it just made me sad every time I looked out the window and saw it. And so for a long time, we kept waiting for the legal owner, which would be the the neighborhood, to clean it up or to mow it or Mm -hmm. to fix it. I I kept waiting for that. And I kept telling myself, they need to do it. That's the right thing to do. Why won't they do it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's only been really this um, this spring and summer that I just felt God saying to me, Christy, you call yourself a placemaker. And here is this land just begging to be taken cleaned up of. and taken care of yes. and tended. And you, why won't you do it? Hmm. And my answer was, well, it's not mine. <laughs> it's not my fault. It's You're the, like yeah, a kid. It's not my fault. I didn't do it. I'm not, I'm not supposed, I don't have to do that. It's not my job. It's like my kids saying like, I didn't make that mess. I don't want to clean it why up. Why should I clear the dishes? Like just last night we were uh, having that conversation with kids. We were. And how childish, right? And yet here I was being incredibly childish and thinking, why should I spend my money or my time or my sweat? Why should my husband have to get out there and do this? It's not ours. We're not the legal owners. And, um, I just realized how feeble that Mm. response was and that God maybe was asking me to take care of something that even though my name wasn't on the deed and Mm. even though there wouldn't be in that sense any reliable benefit to myself, Mm -hmm. you know, it's entirely possible that I could take care of that land and clean it up and then it would benefit someone else in some way, not me. You know, maybe they would decide to put a fence back up and Mm -hmm. then the clean property would you know, now be on the other side of the fence. Right. I don't know. And, but I, I realized that um, that those ex- excuses didn't matter. And mm-hmm. that if I really believed this message I preach of mm-hmm. placemaking and of caring for the ground beneath our feet and of caring for the places we share with our neighbors, mm-hmm. that maybe the right thing to do was to take responsibility and clean hmm. up this property that isn't actually mine. So, And you guys, we're not talking like a few twigs. No. I mean, we're talking entire trees, <laughs> massive shrubbery, yeah. weeds that want to attack you. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and it's – how long is the drive stretch, do you think? It's a, a good quarter mile. A quarter mile on yeah. both sides. Yes. That's and then crazy. all around the back of our property as well. It's a huge amount take of, it on. of And land. how many years had you been waiting for the HOA? Seven years we've been here. And seven years I've looked at that mess and thought, when will they clean it up? <laughs> Wait, they pulled the fence out that early on? No, but the mess was always there. Okay. It was just obscured a little bit by that lovely rustic you know, <laughs> split rail fence. But I, what happened when they removed the fence is that now we actually had access. And so we could clean it up. Right. I think before... I was also telling myself, well, I can't get my mower back behind the fence. Mm. So I, you know, what can I do? It's not my, it's my responsibility. Exactly. And all of a sudden the fence is gone and now I'm running out of excuses. That's so uh, interesting. My husband, and I have to say it's mostly him because it's heavy labor and Mm -hmm. I've never used a chainsaw. I don't think anyone. I can't imagine 
I don't think anyone wants to see me behind a chainsaw. (laughs) (laughs) But my dear husband has been out there. And, you know, so I did have the choice. I feel like this was my contribution. There's always a lot of projects at this old house. Um, We always have a long, long list. And um, when I first saw my husband really tackling the cleanup, I thought of all the projects he wasn't doing because (laughs) he was doing the cleanup. I thought of the brick steps that he wasn't able to finish. I thought of all the other, you know, jobs that need doing it in our house at any given moment. And so in that sense, I did feel the sacrifice that I, that I was, you know, that there were jobs that I valued on my own home that would not get done this year Mm. because instead uh, we decided as a couple, as partners, that he would do this work, that he would Mm. begin tackling the cleanup. And so that would really benefit your neighbors too. Like all these houses you're going to clean behind. Yeah. Um, And they will reap the benefit of that. Yeah. So, you know, I had a conversation with a friend who came over one day when John was working and asked what we were doing. And I explained it to her and why. And she's been a guest over the years. So she's very familiar with (laughs) the, the usual look of that messy, that messy, unkept property. And she expressed, uh, bless her, she expressed some resentment on my behalf. Mm. Like, why, well, why should John do it all? And, and, you know, maybe you should knock on the neighbor's doors and, and say, you should help. And, you know, this yeah. belongs to both of us. And, and I thought, well, maybe, I, I don't know. Let me think about that. And it was that day, it was, it was right immediately after that conversation with her that I looked over and I saw a neighbor I'd never met before. Um, someone I did not know out on his mower, not within the little fenced in portion of his yard, but outside his own fence in that kind of hmm. no man's land. And so I said goodbye to my friend and I thought, I don't know this man, but now's my chance. I'm going to find out who is he and, and what's going on, what's right. happening over there. And I walked over and I introduced myself. And then what proceeded was the loveliest conversation with a neighbor who's a new neighbor. He's only been there maybe a year. And he told me, he said, I've always been so sad to look out and see this mess, but I didn't know what to do. Mm. And then I saw your husband out there cleaning it, and I thought, I can help. Oh, I can help. And oh my goodness, Lisa Joe, I just thought right there tumbled down all of my resentment and all of my superiority and all of my complicated feelings about the whole project. And I realized because John took that first step. My neighbor came out and we mm. met him and I heard about his kids and he has a daughter the same age, age as mine and now we're connected and the cleanup has begun and it's, you know, honestly, it still doesn't look very clean. It still looks really messy out there and mm. it might actually for a long, long while, it's hard work and I think it'll take years of maintaining it in a new way and tending it and keeping the mower out. Um, but it's begun. That mm. too is a kind of grass seed that we've planted, but it's it's about a place and also, it's about a community. It's about right. relationships. Right. So it's it's a good thing to be a part of. That's so interesting. There's, you know, that you're actually tasked with a responsibility when God gives you a place. Yeah. You know, that he's, he's asking you to sink your roots in and to not just keep looking beyond or hoping somebody else will take care of mm-hmm. it or shirking that responsibility because it's not enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Like, you want John to do the pretty projects. Right. The break <laughs> steps, you know, do these things that are beautiful. It's much harder to do the jobs that just feel like maintenance. Yeah. Yes. Nobody wants to maintain. It's why we're always behind on the laundry. I mean, I actually think that mm-hmm. applies to this kind of thing. And we had a similar experience when we moved into the house where we are in Maryland. As I've shared before, Pete and I have never 
we've never owned a home. We've lived overseas a lot. We've always been renters. We were married 17 years before we bought our first house. Mm. And we love it because it's on about an acre of land. So there's space. And what we didn't realize, though, is how much work it is to maintain all of that space. And the problem with Pete and I is because we are not natural gardeners. Mm -hmm. We don't have an affinity for the land the way you guys do. But we are dreamers about what we want to do in that because we think about the people, right? Yes. Like, oh, my gosh, we should pave this part of the driveway and put in a basketball court for the boys and all their friends could play. And what if we turned this outdoor shed into a game room and the teenagers can hang out there and then... There's this other shed on the property. We can convert that into an office space for Lisa Joe, and she'll have a writing room. And but all the while, we don't want to have to pick the weeds that are growing up through <laughs> the gravel drive, right? Like I keep looking at those dumb weeds and yeah. I'm like, why are these weeds here? Like, why doesn't someone take care of them? I actually have that thought: like, who's taking care of these stupid weeds? Like, I don't understand why they keep coming back. Right. And then I feel like I'm sacrificing. I spend like an hour and a half picking up all the dumb weeds growing through the brickwork that's you know the front pathway. And I feel so proud of myself. I feel like I've sacrificed something, you know? <laughs> like, look at me. I've sweated for this place. And now I want my outdoor, you know, writing studio. And then a week later, the weeds are back, you know? And you yeah. can spray with Roundup and you can do whatever you want. But every year, those weeds will have to get pulled in mm -hmm. that property. Mm -hmm. And I think... Pete and I have learned about ourselves, we tend to look at the next thing, you know, what are we planning in this space, we could do this, so we can knock these walls out. And we're like, dreaming all the stuff. But who's going to rake the leaves? Yeah. Who's going to mow all this grass? Who's going to pick the weeds so that we can have the guests? Right. And it took a long time, I think, for Peter and I to realize, oh, like, we're actually called to this right now. Mm. Like, those are those are good dreams. Mm -hmm. And we should work toward them. This afternoon, we have, um, to weed. we have to weed. And that is learning to own that. And it might sound really dumb and obvious, but it wasn't to us who haven't been homeowners in that kind of way, who haven't had that much space, who haven't had a yard in that way to maintain. And I think what's been so beautiful and sacrificial is to watch my husband out there, who is a professor. He's an academic. He's yeah. not... Out, an outdoorsman, you yeah. know, and the space is big and we have a John Deere mowing, riding mower and it has all these attachments for hoovering up leaves. And he's had to learn all these things, mm -hmm. which has involved us talking to our neighbors. Ah. And right next door is Dan and Linda live next door to us. They've lived in that community their entire lives in this little country neighborhood where we live. And Dan came over the first time and just said to Pete, hey, listen, I know you inherited all these yard equipment from the previous home's owner. If you need help figuring them out, let me know. And we go to Dan. Dan shows Peter how to attach the leafs. I don't know what you call it. I don't know either. Vacuum? I don't know what the thing is. Dan lets us dump all of our leaves um, behind his house because the, they border onto this big forested area. Wow. Dan helps us when we can't get the engine started. Dan tells us what to do, <laughs> what kind of mixture of gasoline to put in. I mean, Bless Dan. all <laughs> of these things we don't know. Dan comes over where Micah flies his drone into the top of the tall pine trees and <laughs> attached tapes together three different pool you know the big long poles you use to clean yeah. a pool out he attached like four of them to like get no. to micah's drone wow but we've learned in order to build on the land in order to have people in that space you actually have to tend the land you have to serve the land you have to love the land you have to do all the things god told adam he'd have to yeah. do 
we actually have to do those things. You have to make the place to invite the people. And that is the daily work mm -hmm. of tending a place to have people. Because every now and again, there's a date on the calendar that becomes a mm -hmm. special day and you have mm -hmm. all these people come. But it's not just the work for that special day. It's the tending. It's the everydayness. Yeah. And so me being here and this, you know, this weekend, I've walked that driveway and I've looked at the trees with their red polka dots because... <laughs> That's what it takes. That's the tending you have to yeah. do to make space for when you want to have the people. Right, right. You can't just uh, put the date on the calendar and then think about it, you know, the week before. It has to be, if you want those special days, if you want to have something to offer people on those special days in your place, then, then the tending and the caring have to be just everyday rhythms mm. in your life. And I, I find that I'm maybe a more natural um convert to that work. I enjoy working outside, but even for me, Lisa Joe, I would rather dream of a new flower garden. Mm -hmm. I would rather plan some pretty space than do that, that daily work. I am always trying to find shortcuts. I'm always trying to find shortcuts. Maybe I can smother the weeds. Maybe I can, <laughs> you know, do this, that, or the other. I Maybe. felt so much better when you one time, you posted on Instagram, I think, a picture of your garden, and you're like, it's too hot. Everything's, you know, essentially yeah. taken over. Yeah. I've given up. I've given like, up. I've retreated yeah. inside. And I felt I like, oh, do. my gosh, even Christy's defeated sometimes. Oh, I do. I, I rarely feel victorious <laughs> This work of gardening and placemaking, um, and yet I'm starting to learn there are no, there really are no shortcuts. Right, there are no shortcuts, and and yet this is what I'm still struggling to accept. I think I'll get there. I have hope that I'll get there, but I'm starting to believe that that it's actually good that there are no mm. shortcuts. That the right. work itself is a good thing, that it can be a good thing, that it doesn't have to be um, a terrible thing. It doesn't have to be a hardship. And that when God has invited me and Jonathan to care for this shared property, mm -hmm. this land that doesn't technically belong to us, that he is actually inviting us into something good, mm -hmm. not something that will just be a punishment right. <laughs> or a curse, right. but that there's a blessing out there. And if we believe him and if we trust him, we will take all our tools and we will apply our sunscreen and we will get our hats <laughs> and we will go out there and we will dig in, like searching for this blessing that, that we are sure is there. Yeah. We're sure it's there. And it maybe it will show up in the form of a neighbor. Maybe it will show Show up on the day of this gathering oh, when some guys. of our listeners come to what we hope and and really plan will be not the end all be all gathering, but just the first, just a first gathering of what we hope will be regular, intimate gatherings here at the Black Barn. And this first one, I'm so so glad to say, uh, is in celebration of your book, your mm. book, baby, I'm coming so out at the end of July. That I get to share with you this day together mm -hmm. where we celebrate this place that I think isn't just a barn or a flower garden or a house. I think of it as a place that two families have come together to yeah. create over decades of yes. friendship, mm -hmm. to invite listeners into, you know, this journey that started last September with this podcast feels like it's the natural, and I won't say finish line at all. I think about your son 
Thaddeus, who was outside in the yard with us last night when we were walking around looking at all these common areas and how much work there is and what you're doing and what comes next. And Thaddeus kind of muttered under his breath, which is never done. It's never going to be done, <laughs> is it? Do you remember that? I did. And it was so interesting because I thought, yes, we struggle with that feeling yeah. too. And yet therein lies the beauty of the invitation that God gives us because his work here isn't done. Right. He is constantly at work and he is inviting people in. And so the fact that we get to together build, you know, barns and houses and gardens and books and stories mm. and lives is so rich. And I now the listeners are now like, just stop talking until the date already. Right. So go <laughs> ahead, Christy, tell them. So it is my uh, privilege and honor to invite a few of our listeners to come to the Black Barn on Saturday, July 27. Uh, late afternoon into early evening, we have a, a special time plan to celebrate this book and, and the meaning of these, es the, these essays and this beautiful writing that Lisa Joe has collected in The Middle Matters. So July 27th at Maplehurst, we hope to have a good number of you there. And we know that not everyone can come. Mm -hmm. We know that some of you might try to come and maybe there won't be enough space for this gathering. But we promise you that we will keep gathering. That this it's is the a, beginning. It's just the beginning. So, as Thaddeus says, it's never done. There's always more. That yeah. is the intention, you guys, that this is the first of what we hope will be regular gatherings yes. here at Maplehurst. But for this first one, let us let you know where to expect, what area if you're planning. So it's the town of West Grove, Pennsylvania. And there will be a link in the show notes where you can go and purchase a ticket. Um, space will be limited because we want so badly to host a live podcast recording, which means we need to be able to fit you all in the barn. Mm -hmm. And we went back and forth to think how many seats could we have? How can people be comfortable? It'll be hot, but the barn has air conditioning, <laughs> which is so magical. And we'll be able to fit 50 seats. So there will be 50 tickets available. It will be first come, first serve. And the notification went out first to our email subscribers and our podcast subscribers. And it's just a thank you. And to say, we are just so excited at the thought of having conversations in person with you guys. Oh, it'll just be so much fun. July 27th. July 27th. So don't be disappointed if you don't get a spot there. I promise right now, we promise mm -hmm. you that there will be many more of mm -hmm. these gatherings mm -hmm. this will be the beginning so think about it mm -hmm. look at your calendar but don't please this is not to cause anxiety or stress if you can't mm -hmm. make it this summer that's fine mm -hmm. there'll be a podcast recording you'll be able to listen in but my goodness if you can come in person then... you will come down that driveway and all the dead maples will be gone <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> fingers crossed and you will step inside of these conversations and we will get to see your faces in person and that is, gosh, Christy, that isn't mm -hmm. the end, but it certainly feels like a milestone. It does. A good one. So see you at the Black Barn. July 27th. See you then. If you enjoyed today's conversation, why don't you take a sec right now, scroll down in your podcast app and hit that subscribe button. Which simply means that new episodes will pop up in your podcast app every week for free. 